0: Yo, this is my first podcast. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even think people want to listen to the sound of my voice. Let's go, y'all. Can't do, can't do everything around We need Let's go,
1: y'all. Welcome to the next episode of the Arch Conversation Podcast. We took a long break, so we're back with Frank. Yay! This is <laughs> yeah. Friendly. His name is Friendly. Lee. <laughs> no, this well, is Frank, Frank Liu, and Frank is from, a little background of Frank.
0: Well, you asked, you want me to answer? Is that, is that what it, this is?
1: Oh well, yes, yes. You yes, don't forget, you forgot where I'm
0: from, didn't you? All right, okay, no, I was No, born I in know Ta-
1: where you're from, but like, yeah. you know, other people don't know, so.
0: Okay, okay, so I was born in Taiwan, I don't look Taiwanese, apparently. But what's uh, the in Taiwan? No, please. All right. So all right. I grew up in Singapore and then New Zealand. Uh, spent a little time over in the States. Went back to New Zealand, and now I live in Hong Kong, where I have been for nine years.
1: Yay! Nine years <laughs> in Hong
0: Kong.
1: So you're yeah. kind of like a a nomad, globetrotter.
0: Yeah. You know what people. I tell this to people and they always say, oh, you're like a TCK, you're a third culture kid. And I, I was like, wait, no, no, I'm not, because I was born in Asia and yep. I was raised in Asia. So I was mm-hmm. raised as a Chinese person, as an Asian, um, but I was sent away um, in my formative years uh, to a Western country. Yep. And this kind of is not the same as a TCK because you know, they're born somewhere else and they don't have like a belonging or whatever. Yep. So- I feel like I have a foot, you know, in the, the Asian world and a foot in the Western world. Now, I was then repatriated back to Asia when I was 30. <laughs> so, to tell you how old I am now anyway. So when I was repatriated back here when I was 30 years old, so I was forced to engage again with a world that I'm, I'm supposed to know and be a part of, but then um, yeah, I'm. I'm not entirely here, nor am I entirely Western either. So, it's a very interesting experience, and yeah. I've been. I've been saying that there's a lot of people like me out there, um, and this is one of like we're looking for so much content out there. We're basically grabbing onto anything that we see so far. So. I've been really pushing producers uh, for streaming platforms to build some content revolving around this experience, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, you know, knowing where you're from, because I know exactly where I'm from and, but not also the feeling like you belong either in the place Mm -hmm. that you have brought back to. Oh yeah. yeah, That's some, that's one of the projects I have in the pipelines as well. Talking to a few different producers and uh, script writers here. Mm-hmm. About um yeah, this 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 strange kind of like cultural bridge and experience.
1: Okay, good because that would help. um The next question, no, the next the two questions later. Is the interview? Yeah, it is. That's what the podcast is.
0: All right. Tell me what you want to know. Tell me what you want
1: to. <laughs> okay, so. Um A brief introduction on how we met. We literally just talked about it before we started this. Basically, both of us don't remember, but we have a bunch of friends,
0: oh, friends I suppose. Be me, dude, I don't remember. I feel like you just appeared in my life and you are just... Because it's
1: been like 15 years, I suppose, like 12, you know what I mean? Like it's been a long time. Yo, it's
0: been a long time, at least 12 years for sure. I, I remember I met you
1: before you even moved to Hong
0: Kong. Yeah, you did, you did. Yeah. And honestly, like, you asked me that question, and the the thing that it, it makes me think about is how you've been this strange little constant in my life. Like, you've yeah. always just been here, like, in, in the corner.
1: In, yeah, in the corner, that's, that's right where here. I live, this
0: corner. Yeah, and we've <laughs> gone through so many weird, well, not weird, I think, um, milestones in life. I think yeah. we've both gone through... Mm-hmm. Uh, strange things that like we strayed away from each other we come back yes, we strayed yeah again. and every time I look in that c- corner you're here
1: there. you're
0: still wow. here you're like yeah. the most constant thing in my life man thank
1: of- you that's
0: great <laughs> oh sorry mom. Mom, mom sorry if you're listening
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of constant too yeah you're way.
0: kind of constant too my mom all right all right. Yes. So
1: that's so that's how we've known each other. How long we've known each other, and which is why it's really comfortable. And I wanted to reach out to Frank because I know his story, and I feel like it's a compelling story to share.
0: Story. Wow. Okay.
1: I know you're gonna say like um, compelling is not the word for you, but yes, it is for me. I lived it, so you know, when you moved to Hong Kong, what was that career decision? What was the career path? that brought you to Hong Kong, brought you back to Asia? Um,
0: well, okay, so a bit about, about my background. So I, I actually don't have a uni or college degree at all. Yes, maybe, um, right. And yeah, I. But the thing was, was that um, without sounding like a bit of a knob, I was uh, classified as a gifted child. And Ooh. I graduated high school when I was 15. And uh, I went for one semester at university, and this was crazy. You know, you could you imagine what it was like to be in uni when you were just turning 16 years old. It's, it's terrible. You know, like back then, this was like, you know, 98, 97, 98. Around that time, there wasn't like uh, things like the internet, or I mean, what well, we yep. had the internet, but it wasn't like you didn't, have, you didn't have social media. You didn't have all of these things kind of polluting. Um, everywhere, and it was very very simple and you know, i couldn 't engage in any of the activities these people were into. you know I was just some strange little kid in class, so I told my mother that, look, I followed everything they wanted me to do up to that point. you know I uh, did well at school, uh, we were accepted we wanted to study music, but then we weren 't allowed to because of my father and um, mostly because he 's asian <laughs> and Uh, We weren't allowed to kind of follow that path. So we had to choose between three options, you know, either to be a doctor like him or an engineer or a lawyer. And I figured since I was very good at arguing with my parents, I might as well try and read LLB. Um, But after a year of that, I couldn't take it anymore. I said to my mother, look, um, I'm going to leave school for a while. Maybe just take some time off and I'll come back and I'll finish my degree. So... It's been like 23 years since i told her that <laughs> and uh, ma i will go back to school and get a degree one day i swear to god uh even if i'm 60 i'm gonna go back and sit in like you know call 101 listen to some guy tell me what to do and i'm gonna fill out like the multi-choice answer in the cloud or something i'm gonna get my degree um but i never went back to school after yeah. that i went my career path is strange so and I feel like I've always dealt with this very strange um, insecurity. I can say that insecurity about not having something to fall back on because I see other people, you know, you got a degree in engineering, you got a degree in medicine, you got a degree in finance or I don't know, in political science, you know, women's studies, you know, ancient Roman history. I don't know. But you have something to fall back on to say that if nothing else works out, I'm going to be what I studied to be. Yeah. Now, I, because I don't have a degree, I always felt like, shit, there's nothing for me to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So I had to try everything in my arsenal or what I thought I was good at. And basically, I feel like my career trajectory has been one of trial and error. So it wasn't like I know exactly what I want to do. It's more like, let's get this to go. Let's see if it sticks and we'll just move back and forth. So now that's weird. It's not something that I would suggest to everybody to do. It's mm-hmm. not easy um, mm-hmm. because you're always, you're always flying off the seat of your pants. Because was my um, agreement with my father, my Asian father, was that he told me, he's from Penang, he told me, son, I will support you until you finish school. And then I just said, cool. So I wasn't in school. I went to go do my thing. On the other hand, my brother stayed in school until he was 31 years old. So he was also very clever in that aspect. <laughs> so he didn't have to really look after himself. But I left when I was, what, 16 or so, finding out what I wanted to do. I started off in IT, um, you know, being the help desk junkie, the person you call when your internet's not working, and saying, oh, you know, uh, I can't get it to work. And I said, have you turned your computer on? They went, oh, yeah, you know, so I had to deal with all that. Yeah, And then, then I went, had, uh, I spent about two or three years in IT. Then I kind of segued into copywriting um, mm-hmm. at ADP. And then I started, um, what did I do after? Okay, let me see if I can, I can remember this in succession. So copywriting, then I was an events manager, events promoter, like for car events. Uh, and then I was a TV presenter for a little while. Oh, wait, was that a TV presenter first?
1: Oh. All right, Frankie, let's cut to the chase. Fast forward, fast forward.
0: Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I ended up starting my own little agency and store in New Zealand. It was called Cubic. And um, in 2012, you know, it did due to a combination of a couple of things, including, um, I can be honest, including myself getting a divorce. I was looking at other opportunities and my friend TK who owns a company in Hong Kong at the time called Silly Thing uh, called me and asked me if I wanted to come here and help him look after his company and I said okay give it a go and I thought I was gonna be here for two years but it's uh, nine years now I have my Hong Kong (laughs) PR (laughs) so um, I guess I'm half honky now I learned how to speak Cantonese so it's, uh, yeah, it's been a very strange uh, ride so far. So, okay, four years ago, we decided to have a new company called Blackbird Automotive. Um, and uh, now we are the sole authorized dealer for Ferrari motorcars in Hong Kong and Macau. And uh, yeah, so I guess now my position, I am the CMO of the overall group, so I I look after our marketing, comms, uh, PR, creative events, production arms. I think in total, that's about 20 or so kids I have. And um, we do a lot of the production work for the brand here uh, in Hong Kong. And we also do a lot of work for the home factory in Italy.
1: Amazing. <laughs> that was, that was a very was long end. No, yeah. but the ending part was great. <laughs> the the build-up took forever.
0: It it's did, like, it is a took because I had to think back to this shit too, right? You know, yeah, I don't sit here yeah, thinking about it at the time. So
1: it's like the Game of Thrones. The build-up was so good, the last episode was like too fast. And oh that yeah,
0: was that was amazing. But honestly, I thought about it and I was like, if I was a scriptwriter for that show, how the hell would I end it? You have to you have to cut it. You have to cut it at the end. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I don't need the position. But I also, yeah, I don't know exactly what you're saying. It's just a if you think Anyways, about it, if you had to... back to you. Oh, okay. You.
1: Yes. I digress. Do do this? Oh, yes, don't digress. Let's not digress. Okay, so how we met? where you, what do you on? Want to know? Okay, so this is back to that thing where I said where you said you were kind of neither here nor there. Like, you know, being grown up in Asia, thrown into like New Zealand and America for a bit, and then coming back to Asia to work. This is where right. this question will make sense after you just said like you hone all these different titles and you take care of all these different things and all sure. these different aspects of things. So through your career, in terms of having to start work when you were very young and doing all these, trying Mm -hmm. your hand, dabbling, all these different things, and Mm -hmm. then moving back and forth and being thrown here and there, did all these things or did any part of these things help you hone the skills that you have in doing what you do? Because I don't think many people can sit there as calm as you are, as calm as you do, and with I'm this cooked. Instagram that's super funny and all these weird jokes in it, but at the same time you're like running you know what helps? things. What?
0: It you know helps. I'm not wearing pants right now, so.
1: <laughs> your dog is licking your peepee bird. Oh my dogs right stole my pants. Get the boy, pin. Right? Get the Oh no, no, no! Don't come
0: here, baby. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay. Well, what was the question again? You want me to tell you so, how?
1: Like, does any of that help with what you're doing right now? Because having to deal with so many different things, so many different aspects, like, different departments, right? Yeah. Like, like, you said, like, if you're trained for one thing, to be honest, it's a lot easier. Like, if you're a professional accountant, like, you do sure. accounts, sure. right? But in order to be in your position, would it, like, does it, it tear you apart? Does it, like, you know, do you have to, like, compartmentalize? Because it's not easy, to say the yeah, least. Yeah, right? no...
0: I, uh, what's a good answer to this question? I think the one thing that I learned across all my years in my very ridiculous journey is, um, you know, this always comes back to one thing a friend of mine said to me a very long time ago in New Zealand. Uh, he unfortunately passed away from an anemic kind of uh, disease. Uh, he was one of my best friends and, you know, a few months before he died, we were in the car kind of driving around, you know, we were both car guys and, uh, I was having an argument with somebody in our crew, whatever, I was kind of going, talking to him about it, and he looked at me, and he goes, man, you know, you just have to realize something. And I said, what? And he said to me, this thing is so simple, but it stuck with me for a very long time. And it was, not everybody is like you. All right. And at the time, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're just saying that I'm a a bit of a dick and whatever. Okay, I get it. But... I've remembered this all through my life, right? And because I've worked in so many different kind of fields, right? They all they all attract a certain kind of character, different characters. You have like the 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 worker bee. You've got like the creative. You've got like the you know um, you've got people who just really process orientated. You got people really goal orientated, and what he said to me, his name is Anthony, what Anthony said to me really kind of stuck with me because it's a, such a simple concept, but I don't think people understand it very well. Because I think in a lot of the times when we deal with people, when we have conversations, when you have to discipline somebody, where you have to compliment somebody, the, the thought that you have in your, in your head, the, the default, is that you think they will react to how you would react if you were... The other side, right? But that's not true. I've learned through this process that people have different motivators, for example. You know, it's easy to assume if you are managing a team um, that everyone is in it for the money, right? Because everybody wants to get paid, you know, all they care about and they don't care about the work. That's not always true. You know, you have some people here looking for job satisfaction. You have people here looking for um, reason for to share in the collective goal for a purpose. People tell me all the time they complain about, "Oh, millennials suck. Millennials are like this. You know, Gen Zs even worse. They don't care. They don't really want to work. They're lazy." I've always fought the other way around, you know, because for people Generation X or whatever, and the cusp of like from baby boomers to millennials, you know, they were, they were very kind of like driven to a to a point of survival right? You know, that you have to work to survive, to make do, to put a house, a roof over your head, to put food on the table. But I, I tell them it's easy, you know, because that's your motivator. Okay, that's fine. You know, because you work hard, because you see a direct correlation between hard work and reward. Now, current generation now, they're not, they don't have this equation in their head, right? And it's not because they're lazy. It's because they have a different motivator. They want to feel like they're a part of something better than if they were to do it alone. If you, can't, if you cannot give them this, then they, sh- they have no business working for you in the first place, right? right? So I think to answer your question in a meandering kind of way, through this process, that's probably the thing that I've picked up the most, that, you know, the ability to sort of understand and process things from different people. And, you know, mm. in marketing, what, what, what I do now, so I'm the chief marketing officer of the group, we, I work with different functions that have different, massively different, you know, personalities. So we have production. These are super process-orientated, right? But there's, there's a little bit of art placed in the back, too, because they got to design all of our installations, right? Then I have creative, who are just a band of fucking wackos, you know? Their job is to basically think of art outside of this square as possible, and then everybody has to find a way to execute this. Then I have marketing who are, you know, science driven. And because they have to understand that what we do is um, a formula. If you can have a fantastic message, but if you don't know who you're talking to or how to get it to that person, that message is also kind of useless too. Right. So I developed a system um, where I I say everybody in my function is a, has different ratios of four quadrants, art, science, offensive, and defensive, right? And that is the glue that binds everybody in this function together because each person understands that this other function is probably more science than art or more art than science, or they're an yes. offensive rather than a defensive. Like defensive is like data collecting, you know, capture, yep. um, CR, maintenance, hygiene, all of that. Um, yep. And... I also remind them that without a good defense, there is no offense, right? Just like you would in a professional sports team. It was no good if you have 11 strikers on your team and no one to guard the fucking goal, right? Yep. You know, you have, to, um, you have to sort of like find the balance between the two and understand everybody's value to the whole equation. I guess that's the word.
1: Yep.
0: Sorry, so please- very long answer, simple questions.
1: No, no, no! I actually like that you go into it because if not, the podcast would be five minutes.
0: Oh, like, what do you wow. do?
1: I do things with cars. You know what I mean? Like I'm I, on this, I but...
0: sell cars. Cars are cool.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> go really fast. And... <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. Step on okay.
1: and they kind of move, take you from places. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Good that. So what basically to summarize what you just said? Because I actually took notes. I'm a good- You took I'm notes? T- I'm a good interviewer, right? I took notes, Oh, I'm going right? to send you
0: an invoice after this, man. You took notes? Uh,
1: so basically what you're trying to summarize is like through doing this and that and, you know, meeting people and I think a lot of it is also learning empathy, understanding people, reading Absolutely.
0: people. Empathy is um, important. But I have to say is. this. Empathy is important to the point where you don't sacrifice your own boundaries.
1: Yes. You know, 100%. I think
0: I think yes. that's something that we be made clear, you know, em- I empathy learned the hard way
1: too. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I trust me. I've learned the hard way as well. You yeah. know, like empathy is, is fine. You can absolutely help people in need. You should, everybody should. Um, yep. But don't let it come at the expense of your own boundaries. Correct. If somebody requires something that past that understand where so that line is and you can okay to say no or that yeah. look, I'll find another way to get to where you want. Okay. Yes. So I
1: totally agree. That is a great point as well. Thank you. Point two.
0: You writing it down? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely empathy. send to you an invoice. You gave me empathy.
1: <laughs> Wait, what is that line again? Empathy beyond, bound? no, empathy <laughs> up to boundary. No? Yes. Yeah, I agree because I really love the hard way too. I used to be hmm too nice they call me the too nice mm. girl <laughs> too nice <laughs> you know, know, to
0: understanding sort of like what you can do for somebody right so
1: yes to, and to maintain your own you know this whole thing about well-being in this day is such a big thing right like you know like mental health care love yourself and all this stuff it's easy to sure. say but in order to actually do it to love yourself you need to know what makes you balanced and i feel yeah. like for someone like you where you're always trying to get to know these different people and put them in these different quadrants for your team, sometimes you you might forget about yourself. So it's um, most important to like, as you said, to empathize within boundary.
0: Yes, that's yeah, right. In order to love yourself, a don't lose yourself in the process. Right? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. So with all of that, now we can go to your favorite topic of cards. Matt,
0: that, that's my favorite topic. I talk I mean, about cars all day long, man. Cars.
1: It very simply. Please do not go into detail, Frank. I know you're gonna be like uh, telling us I'm about the engine and how they run. Talking, to yeah, them. I'm listening to questions. I know you. I know you. All right, so listening to questions. So tell me, ask me a question. Five, right? And then now I, I I bought an electric car. We will not get there, so we don't need uh-huh. car. So it was gas, and now it's going to electric, right? Uh-huh. So I thought about it and like, <laughs> okay. So <in> terms <laughs> I'm waiting of for the that, question. And, <laughs> So I'm like you writing the building. Your question is telling I law. I don't know to, what you got to me about my law last
0: answer. Your question is law to, and
1: shit. <laughs> <laughs> we are the same kind of thorough people when we talk and you know this. Tell me the
0: question. I'm listening.
1: Okay, so understanding all of that, that like public transport might be cheaper than having a yes. car but, and all and this right. and all that, like gas and, and electric and all that. What would be to you in this day right now, the cars that are out in the market? the Mm -hmm. best car to own if you had all the money in the world, like you could vote anything. Like in terms of it being like the design to like how it drives and, you know, being fuel efficient and all that. Fuel efficient as it can be, right? And on the flip side, the best car I can buy with the lowest budget possible with like the same thing, fuel efficient, good car to drive and design. Is this a good question? Okay. I think that's a good question,
0: right? It's a kind of a good question, but it's also a little bit basic. How, how long do you want Is it basic? Answer?
1: Is it a basic question? Okay, well, basic how do you make it more like unbasic? People,
0: people know that I when they say I work for Ferrari, that's normally the first question they ask. Hey, bro, uh, what's the your favorite car? But I'm not
1: saying oh, the best like, Ferrari to drive. I'm saying any anyway. hey,
0: You have to understand, but I'm contractually obligated to like give you only yeah. one answer here as well. So I may have a think about this and, um, okay. Okay. So recently I've been having this conversation a lot with people who who they very, excuse the pun, frankly, ask me, um, what is the future for cars? Because as you've pointed out, cars are just a tool to get from point A to point B, but you have public transportation. Now you have Lyft, you have Uber, you have Grab. You have Gojek, whatever it is, um, you have in your market. You know, ride sharing is a thing now, and will continue yep. to be a thing uh, going into the future. So people are out there saying that you know, heralding the, the doom and gloom of, especially the sector we're involved in, which is ultra performance, ultra luxury, right? And what I've been trying to tell them, and what I express to my teams here as well, I feel like I'm giving away a lot of these this data here. I hope Lamborghini is not listening. Um, but that understand the difference between wants and needs all right having a car in the past as you pointed out had always been a need right you need this car to get from point a to point b you needed to get your kids to school you need this and you need that all right and in a way that's been filtered down into a lot of car dealerships and the way they present their products to people oh you need this and for us Ferrari is the same thing we say oh you need this brand new car or you need to have this because this is the best one in class it's going to change now right because my answer to your question overall which is the car you want to get at the most price and the bottom price it's a very vague answer but I hope it makes sense soon is that the car that you want right because Cars, as you rightly pointed out, going ahead are going to be exactly in the same sector as super yachts, private jets. Nobody needs any of those, right? You don't need a, a G35, what is, whatever it is that the, the, the plane is, right? You don't need like a 100-foot yacht, but you want it, right? Yeah. So that's exactly what it's going to turn into. If, you want to, if you're going to buy a car, right, you have this much money to spend. I don't care how much money you have to spend. You're going to end up buying the car that you want because that's yeah. going to be the thing that makes you convert into a purchase. Whether it's yeah. um, an SF90 Spider, Ferrari, I, yeah, you know, or a pre-owned California T, also Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you will end up buying a car that you want because there's actually no need to have a car in yeah. 10, 15 years. I I feel, and people yeah. are already accepting that now. Right. You know, if you live in a city like Singapore or sorry, country like Singapore or a city like Hong Kong, there's actually no requirement anymore to own a vehicle, you know, in New York or any large metropolitan place. Right. So it was going to turn into a want, and you end up with no matter how much money you have, go and drive every car possible. You know, I always say this because if, if this is going to be something that, it's going to be a white elephant sitting in your, in your driveway or whatever. You know, it has to be something that you want. You feel an emotive connection to it. And that could be yep. anything, a Golf GTI or a Honda Civic, all the way up to I don't know, uh, a Ferrari SF90 Spike.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, ha- I have to preserve the, the top market part, okay? So yeah. we have a lot of competitors yeah, yeah, on of All right. So... Yeah, that's I guess that's that's my roundabout answer to your very straightforward question.
1: Right? No, nope, I like your answer. I like people who think and not give like the right answers. That makes sense. So <laughs> then it to brings saying? me.
0: To hey, what does <laughs> oh, you Oh
1: need to my... move back to Singapore. But your English is getting a bit rusty. It's terrible!
0: It's <laughs> terrible! You know, I know, I know.
1: Um, I try. So I, I
0: guess you, know, Taiwanese and then Hokkien, so.
1: So then to my next question, like with marketing these ultra luxury cars, right? Yeah. Like, you know, with the whole social media and all these things, like fast paced things involved, how do you even plan to market like the new car, a new car, the new model?
0: Okay. Um, this is where I think, uh, science comes in, in my little quadrant, right? Yep. As the world develops, right um kind of wide blast messages become less and less effective right i always say this and that's outdoor media has gone into our pockets Right, outdoor media is your bus ads your traditionally your billboards all of that stuff i mean it's still out there but all of this noise which is what it's turned into has appeared now inside our pockets on our phones right yep. we're blasting every day every time you scroll Instagram feed, you see like a promoted post or whatever. That is the new outdoor media. All right. Yep. So, any kind of content seeding in that fashion, um, to me, it's only about talking. If you have a very wide or broad message to say. Now, if you, in this example, you want to sell a car to somebody, this is where the science comes in, right? This is where data is important—not to steal it, but to understand, you know. Productivities to like what is this person who who do we think is most likely going to be re, able to react to this message that we're saying so say for example we're marketing a car that costs a million us dollars you know we're going to be putting it not to the people we think who, who only have the money for it but the people who think we we think are in line for an upgrade right to to this top level model so I've been saying this for years, and um, I don't know whether or not I still think it rings true. And that is, you know, fifty attentive ears are better than five thousand anonymous eyes. Right. I think people are too focused on trying to get as m- much engagement as possible. Hi, hey, how are
1: and, you? hear um, you? And.
0: Goodbye. And to, And um, then to actually talk to hear the message, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's the biggest challenge nowadays is to figure out, like, you know, who wants to hear what you have to say. And then in our case, because we sell a luxury product, we have to then hone in and really drill down on these different groups. And then we work on things like, you know, peer engagement, right? If, if we talk to you, how many of your friends are you going to tell? because that's that's also very important but i feel that's more sector specific to us because we're yeah. selling such a you know high price item like selling bird kits, i guess yeah i think that's
1: it are you, are you <laughs> that's I, like, I was like what, did my internet cut <laughs> off like what did you stop okay yeah that makes sense like i'm i ask also because like i sell coffee right which is like way down like opposite ends right
0: no it's it's the same thing basically
1: so that's why i that's what i was trying to get at like if you have a product that you need to market it's like you said right The full quadrants that you just need to think about all those things like who you want to reach, and like you said because everything's in your pocket right now and there's so much content right they're just like scrolling through even if you were you can't afford this coffee, there's like a different, so many options. And then if, if even if you can afford that card, then you will have like maybe three options, which then is a lot for a card. There's so, many noise,
0: there's so much noise out there, right? I think people really are hungry for credibility, for authenticity, right? Yeah. And that comes through not only the way you present your product, but the way you communicate to people too. Um, people ask me all the time to do brand work for them. Um, to advise on and I keep reminding people a brand is not a logo. All right A logo is only a part of what a brand is the brand yeah. Is the vehicle that engages your product with your audience. Oh, your audience. You got it, right? Yeah. so Think about this and the logo is just another means of communicating who you are to um, your audience in a visual manner but the most important thing that I feel a lot of brands uh, don't adhere to, it's very simple, is understanding how your brand needs to have a voice. It needs to have a language and a tone, right? Because this is what sets brands apart. Um, I mean, to marketers, this is pretty obvious stuff. This is 101, right? But think about it from a point of view. If I read to you a Nike tagline, you'd know exactly where it's from. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, right? That's because they have developed their own language. You know, Nike is very kind of in-your-face, but powerful, but inspirational. Coca-Cola is about enjoying the moment. McDonald's is about, you know, feeling good and enjoying with your friends, right? All of these things don't happen by accident, you know? That's why with the brand books, we have brand Bibles that, that tell you how to engage with your audience, how to tell people, this is my product, please come and look at it. And that, to me, is the number one thing that's, that's uh, lacking in a lot of these very quick-fire startups, because there's honestly been no faster, no time in history where it's been faster to launch and sell a product. Yep. I mean, to go through your Facebook. The amount of yep. ads you see were like, you know, oh my God, this groundbreaking invention, which is
1: yeah, yeah. some
0: guy who found something at the Shenzhen Fair, right, yeah. is it's literally and, like every, you could share. and also I
1: feel like there, there there are certain words that are overused or like just like like the word sustainable, right? Now it's so <laughs> like this word is too yeah, bad for definitely right now, you know? Every single ad people. I see is like made of sustainable products, sustainably sourced. Like this and that. I'm like, oh my god, like you know,
0: like yeah. in that sense. It's like the new organic, right? Yeah, so. correct, correct, correct. So sustainability. You I don't think people truly really understand what that means because it's not a product manufacturing issue. It has to do with like your supply lines, your your vendors, your every every step of the way that you're right. from raw material to uh, and even product. to the so, point
1: of what are you yeah. making? Because if you're just starting another, uh, I mean. Tight brand, like, you know, exercise wear brand, then are you really trying to sustain the planet? Because there's like 500 of those. So I feel like yeah that's the other thing that I face when I'm trying to market a product. I want to be as authentic and real as possible. That's why I asked you, because I feel like in that sense, you, you, you do it quite well and <sighs> only quite well. like
0: <laughs> I, I tell you one thing, i uh, be real with you Ferrari cars, but I'm not sustainable all right, yes. you know, we'll probably, yes. probably leave like a gigantic carbon footprint, but we are releasing hybrids, you know, uh, we have like the SF90 again. <laughs> again, um,
1: again, this is subliminal yeah, messaging. I, now. I four times
0: here. Yeah, if anybody from Maranello chances upon this, you know, please look at this, I only talk about one brand of motor <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I see what you mean, it's definitely become the new organic, the new buzzword, you know, because yeah. like you say, you put on like a, a, a techware brand and say, well, I made this out of, you know, fucking bamboo and, and, yeah, and yeah,
1: yeah. paper, exactly. right? Yeah. But
0: what were the resources you use to harvest that bamboo? Correct. And exactly. And the manufacturing process. So it, uh, exactly. it's, you are correct in that it's definitely become a buzzword nowadays. And I wish more people understood that the whole thing is, is it's a process, it's not just a product.
1: Correct. Thank you for putting it in English. Because my English not great. My English is yep. no good, see? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I have all these thoughts and I have all these things. But then I also feel like I may have ADHD where, like, I jump topics. Like... You know, my friend literally said, I'm like the parkour, not is like You're American a parkour dance. of talking? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like he's like, in the last five minutes, stuff we talked about boxing. Someone who comes to your shop to have coffee. And now we're talking about next week's schedule. Like, what are we talking about? So I have all these thoughts, but I don't know how to put them streamlined into words. This is why I interviewed Remember you. what I
0: said, right? Not everybody is like you. Right, and yeah, you are right. you are definitely not like another person. They, they came in, just store wanting to talk about something, and you're talking about next week's schedule. You're talking oh, about, I don't know, yeah. a ballet dancing monkeys in Siberia, right? Yeah, so, exactly, it, you, like just, that. you just have to be able to...
1: Yep, that's that was a good podcast, I think. I mean, it's not over yet, but I mean, this the content. Oh, damn, day.
0: it's not over yet.
1: Shit, no. I've been
0: I'm at my word limit for the day. I can only speak a certain amount of words and then I have to shut up for the rest of the day. You have to so talk I dog. think you have the
1: All righty, we're going to end the podcast now. So thank you, Frank, for doing this. Goodbye. No
0: problem. Bye. Catch
1: you later.